Hey guys, before we get into the episode, it blows my mind that we're launching another podcast. And this time, I actually want to feature you guys as a guest. Now, if you're a six-figure entrepreneur who has your own podcast and you listen to the show, I actually want to interview you on our brand new podcast, which is called Six Figure Podcast Rebels. You just need to go to www.top100interview.com and you can apply to get featured. All right, guys, back to the show. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and thought, wow, I really thought I'd be further ahead by now? If so, you are not alone. I've spent the last two years traveling the globe looking for the answers. The problem is, it's fear of failure that was holding me and so many of you back. I realized that no one was telling the real story of entrepreneurship. So I flew to the US, decided to face my fear and go all out to build my million dollar business completely from scratch. But the real question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our online tribe and share the internet's top marketing secrets. My name is Jamie Atkinson, and this is the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Atkinson, the Podcast Junkie. And today, I've got a very interesting guest for you. This is one of my only guests. I've had two guests so far that have a combined following of over at least a million followers. My guest today actually has over 2.3 million followers across all of her social platforms. She's actually got 1.5 million on Instagram alone. She was previously a UX designer as well as a graphic designer. She's done everything from plus size modeling to now being an absolute killer in the online space. She was a digital nomad. She's now an expat living out in Spain. I'm really, really excited to introduce my guest today, Lily Lux. What's going on, Lily? How are you doing? Hello, I'm doing great. Man, I'm, I'm super excited to bring you on because um, in my own personal journey, um, and some people will know this if they've listened to the podcast, they know that I kind of started off in Thailand about, you know, I, I started my travels and three months later I ended up in Thailand. And one of the first things that happened to me was I ended up going to um, one of these digital nomads events. And, uh, and at that event was actually where I met you for the first time. And it was interesting because at that stage, I was kind of, I was, someone made me aware of you and they were like, oh, wow, like if you're a blogger and you want to do more on Instagram, you definitely need to speak to Lily because she is crushing it in the Instagram space. And I remember that was the first introduction that I had to you. And, and then hmm. lucky because one of my friends, Ralph and Michelle, they ended up going um, and we all had kind of lunch together at this cute head shop cafe. And I felt mm-hmm. like, great actually, I got to see more about you and learn more about you and everything that you were doing because I don't know if you have ever experienced this early but I always sometimes find that when people describe you having only ever met you on social media sometimes when you meet that real person they're different to what those people maybe thought about you have you ever experienced that oh yeah all the time I think especially when I was first starting out, people kind of had like a bimbo image, but I have two college degrees and like a professional corporate career. So there's a lot more behind the, the cute little face. There you go. Well, I'm a blonde bimbo too, so we can definitely roll with that. <laughs> I wanted to give the audience a chance to, to get to know you a little bit better and find out about your story because I was definitely amazed that you went from doing things like UX design to then following your passion into modeling. And now you've created this amazing kind of online asset and online brand. And I know we'll get into later in the interview, you're doing some amazing things now with how you're moving forward with your brand and your image and the things that you want to really like help people do and, and that kind of drive and passion. But before we dig into that, I really wanted to 
to give you a chance to kind of share your story of how you got started in this whole thing because uh, you you're not you're not just um just a regular um person that's traveling around right like you you started off was it in ohio and then decided to travel from there yeah so i kind of moved a lot of different places but uh it basically all started when i turned 18 and i moved to los angeles by myself to go to fashion school and my dream was i thought i was going to be a wardrobe stylist for tv and movies and so i moved to la and while i was there i got exposed to like um pinup and rockabilly culture which is like 1950s, 1960s retro, like Marilyn Monroe, Bridget Bardot, like all this classic Hollywood stuff is really popular there. And I got really inspired by seeing how curvaceous like all these old movie stars were. And so I was like, hmm, I want to try dressing like that. I want to change my style a little bit and see if I can like pull off some of these vintage looks. And so I just kind of like dove into this subculture and got really into it. And then I just started taking pictures of myself and doing little like trade photo shoots with photographers. And a lot of my friends were burlesque performers. So they all had these like stage names. And I was like, hmm, I better pick like a, a stage name for myself too. And so I did, I came up with Lily Lux and I made a little Facebook page and started posting some pictures of me with my little like retro outfits. And um, then it continued to grow and grow and grow in terms of like followers. And then eventually somebody was like, hey, have you looked into being a plus size model? Cause you have the right proportions for it. Hadn't even crossed my mind. But then that opened up a whole new door I applied to some agencies. One, like the biggest plus size agency called me back in 10 minutes after I sent them an email. And so I signed with them. I was working across the US while also working my graphic design job at the time. And uh, just kind of like modeling as a hobby, like making like a little bit of money, but not even really hardly breaking even on all the <laughs> expenses that I was spending. Um, and, yeah, I just kept doing modeling on the side as a hobby and like, you know, furthering my corporate career in graphic design and then later UX design, web design. And then it got to a point where I was like, oh, I have almost a million followers now. I should be like monetizing this, <laughs> this hobby. It's not a hobby anymore. This could be something. So uh, yeah, I had a couple things. Um, that I experimented with with trying to make income until I eventually found a few things that caught on and then I was able to transition into being fully self-employed and my hobby became my full-time work and allowed me to travel and now live in Spain so that's kind of <laughs> the short version yeah that's super interesting because one thing one thing that I love about that is that it kind of sounds like you only recently figured out about how to go about monetizing your following online, right? So how, how long ago was it before you started to monetize your Instagram following? Um, well, let's see, I created my Instagram about four years ago and I think I started my Patreon three years ago because um, Patreon was kind of the big game changer for me in terms of monetization for the modeling because before that I was just doing some sponsorships and stuff but that was kind of like small potatoes <laughs> and not as consistent 
Yeah, I mean, is there, because this is an interesting thing, and I really want to dig into um, some of the stuff you were just telling us about getting started in the whole world of modeling, because I know a lot of people don't realize how entrepreneurially minded you need to be to go into that profession, and I'm, I'm really interested to dig into that. And um, But just before we go into that, when, when it comes to the Instagram, because I want to talk about that first, because I know that's where going to be most people are drawn to that kind of that, that interest, like, oh, wow, like, you've got a big following, like, how are you monetizing it? Like, how do you go about those routes? And what I don't want to do is put you in an awkward position where, you know, you have to talk about it, and it's not something you want to do. But also, at the same time, I wondered if you could share a little bit about people who maybe are thinking about, well, is Instagram right for me? Is that the route that I'm going to go down? Is it is it very tricky to get into those positions where you can kind of monetize your audience? And is it something that you would necessarily recommend? Yeah, I absolutely think there's like so much potential and I do think it's a little bit harder now than when I started because when I was first on Facebook, there was a lot more free organic growth. So my posts were being shown to a lot more people and I think it was a little bit easier to get seen. Now it's a little harder, but I still think it's absolutely possible. I've seen so many models that have even just started like a year ago and they already have like 500,000 followers. So <laughs> it's totally possible if you have the right look. Is there, is there a kind of a benchmark that some people should look at? Because I know it's different from industry to industry. But if you're a typical, and I don't want to say typical because I don't want to put everyone in the same box, but like if you were, say, a typical person that says to yourself, okay, I really want to be this model on Instagram. I really want to start doing this stuff. You know, maybe they have their site set on, okay, I'm going to get to 50,000 followers. Maybe I'm going to get to 100,000 followers. Can you, can you share with us some of the, the amount that people can expect to make and, and maybe some of the averages just on your experience? Sure. You mean like how much they make in terms of money or in terms of followers? Yeah, let's talk, about, let's talk about money because I always think and <laughs> I really, I really want to dig into because somebody said to me once, he said, Jamie, you can't cash your followers in at the bank. And the reason that I ask is that I see so many people that, that really want that travel lifestyle and they look at Instagram mm -hmm. maybe as being the way that they want to get there. But there isn't many people that are super open and transparent with talking about like how much you can expect to make and, and how difficult mm -hmm. it is. So, you know, and you don't have to, but I was just curious because I know there'll be some people in our audience who are wondering that and maybe it will help them to kind of quantify like where some of the benchmarks are. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I want to go into specific numbers just yet today. Um, but in terms of followers, let's see. I, I heard somebody tell me that like, having a lot of Instagram followers is like being rich in Monopoly money. And, <laughs> and then I see like all these articles that are like, you can't make a living on Patreon. And like, no Instagram people make any money. And I'm like, yes, they do. <laughs> There's absolutely opportunity. And like, I don't know how somebody could say that having 500,000 followers or a million followers isn't valuable. I mean, to me, that's just like mind blowing because there's so many like ways that you can monetize as an influencer. And right now I'm actually like developing an e-course for women to help them learn how to monetize and sell like sexy selfies. So I'm kind of going to be revealing all my secrets there in that course. That's amazing. For how I did it. 
Yeah, and, and I love that because um, I personally think info products are such a great way that you can that you can help a lot of the people who are in your network. But also, it's really mm -hmm. scalable for you as a seller. And and I, I and I think it's an interesting topic. And the reason I'm talking to you about it is that I remember seeing a a post, and I think it was only about three or four weeks ago. And it was a it was a post about how there was a girl who and I can't remember her name. I wish I'd researched it before this interview. But there was a girl who had over a million Instagram followers, and she was trying to create a label. A, 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 a fashion brand and the, the mm -hmm. minimum amount of orders that they needed to do was say 15 t-shirts that she could sell and she ended up having to shut down her brand because even though she had a million followers she wasn't even able to sell 15 t-shirts and then on the other wow. end of the spectrum because and I thought that was kind of shocking and I was like whoa like who do I know who I can talk to about that and and, and mm. name absolutely came to mind and and also then on the other end of the spectrum though, like I know uh, I have a couple of friends who are very, very small influences in their own circles. Like I have a friend and she does, she has 3000 followers on her Instagram, but she's able to make, you know, close to between seven and $10,000 a month through that following on Instagram. Um, and she's mm -hmm. doing kind of like Instagram related services for those people who are within her niche, but she gets all of her clients through Instagram. So it's interesting that you've got these kind of two kind of opposite ends of the spectrums. I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts on that, Luke? Anything to kind of share about that? Yeah, I think the conversion abilities vary dramatically with influencers. And that's something that a lot of businesses get confused about when they want to work with influencers is like, how do I know if this person is going to be worth my time, worth investing in? Like, are their followers actually going to buy from them? And that's like a lesson I've had to learn because I have a like a business advisor who helps me whenever I have like a stupid idea <laughs> that I want to do. <laughs> They're the best, right? And phone him up and like, help me. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> and um, so that's why it's important for influencers to like not say yes to every single thing that's offered to them. Because if you're just like taking every single like cash payment and promoting everything, then you lose that ability to convert people. Cause they're like, Oh, well, she's doing the flat tummy tea and she's doing like the, I don't know, just whatever products. And it doesn't have that trustworthiness anymore. And trustworthiness, I think is what really converts people is just like that connection with this person. Like, does this person know what they're talking about? Are they going to tell me the truth or are they just trying to get a paycheck? Yeah, because I imagine if you started to pitch a lot of products and it would kind of dilute your brand and then, you know, people aren't going to trust you as much anymore, which I think is yeah. definitely super interesting. I say no to a lot of things because I'm like, well, that's not going to be a good fit for my audience or I don't think that's going to be a fit for my brand. Is there, was there ever any, um, any product deals you took, which was super interesting that, that maybe you reflect on and thought, oh, that was a great idea or maybe that wasn't such a good idea? Anything you can hmm. do? Well, I did one with a, uh, an app recently called Holiday Swap, which was, I thought, such an amazing com concept. It was um, that you can trade houses with somebody while you're traveling, and so you don't have to spend money on hotels or Airbnb, and they just have like a dollar a night uh, facilitation fee that you pay. And um, so I really, really believed in that concept, and I thought it was so awesome. But unfortunately like it just didn't catch on with my audience like we just weren't getting as much like traction as i had hoped for so yeah sometimes you can't always win 
Yeah, that's sometimes frustrating because I'm a big lover of that. In fact, where we are right now, we're staying in a house sit, which is literally like somebody has gone back to America and we're looking after their pets while we're here. So we can stay in South Korea for like a portion of the, a portion of like what it would usually cost to live here. But it's definitely hard. Oh, nice. because do, you find, do you find that you have to do a lot of education with your audience whenever you want to sell them a product? Or can you sometimes just drop something straight out to them and then they buy it straight away? Is there like that warm up sequence you have to do? Yeah, I think for holiday swap, it did require a little bit more education, which is maybe why it didn't work so well is because it's like I had to explain like in like a paragraph, like this is what this app does. And, uh, you know, Instagram's so quick. It's like lizard brain scrolling. So people aren't always going to read um, a lot of text. But I mean, for example, another app that I did was called Woo Plus. It was like a plus size dating app. And that did incredibly well. I got like thousands of downloads for them for their app and like new users. So my audience is mostly men, so it makes sense that that would be a, an easily uh, converting product to sell. It's interesting because I, I feel like sometimes it's, it's that understanding your audience is such a huge thing. And, you know, we talk it, about it all the time with entrepreneurs and it's sometimes mm -hmm. it's really challenging. And, and one question that I've got for you right now, Lily, is that for what you're doing, because I know you're making some changes in terms of like where you want to go with the long term, um, you know, direction of your brand. Um, are you kind of in a place where you're really, really happy with your work right now? Or are you striving to kind of change aspects because you seem happy? <laughs> yeah, I definitely enjoy like being sexy and being happy and just kind of being this like positive light that brightens people's day because that's always been my goal with like the images that I create. Um, but now I'm definitely craving something a little bit more meaningful and I really, really value when I get female interaction on my social medias. That means more to me than <laughs> anything. I love the guys, but it's just so nice when a girl messages me and she's like, oh, you know, you, you make me feel more confident in my body because you're curvy like me. And so I would definitely like to pursue something more with, with women in the future. Yeah, that's so that's awesome. what I'm working on. Was there ever any moments where when you started to work for yourself, because I know you were doing the freelancing and you were doing the UX design, was there ever any moment where you were doing something like that and you just felt like, wow, like I'm not really enjoying this. I need to make a change. Or did you, or were you always in something that made you feel like fulfilled and happy? <laughs> what a charmed life that would be. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely had a lot of like unfulfilling moments, especially living in Ohio. I was working in, corporate environments that were filled with rules and didn't allow for creativity and just weren't fun projects that I was working on. So it was making me pretty depressed. And I was like, I gotta get out of here for the sake of my like mental health and just to keep the fire alive, you know, like that passion, that excitement, it can die really fast in corporate offices. Oh, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel that's what motivated me just to get out of it. And, and with the, and was the first time that you got out of those environments, was that after you'd started modeling? Cause I know you said that to start off with, you were going and doing these like plus side modeling gigs and, and you were saying that you were kind of breaking even. Were you, were you still in that corporate environment then? Or was when you did the modeling gigs, was that the, was that the thing that launched you away to kind of working for yourself? No, I was still working full time and doing like the modeling hustling on the weekend. So I would like take trips to New York on the weekend to go do photo shoots or one time I took a Greyhound bus to Memphis. <laughs> like 
you know, just like getting it done. And thankfully I had a boss at the time who was pretty cool. Like he was like, oh yeah, okay. You could take like another day off if you need to. So I was like a contractor. So it was a little bit more flexible. Yeah. Did, did that make a big difference in, in you launching everything that you did online in terms of, and I'm not talking about like momentum, I guess I'm talking more about like internally, like the, the way it made you feel like to have that confidence to be able to launch your own brand. Did that make a big difference or do you feel, did you feel like it didn't really matter that you got that kind of experience to start off with? Well, something really interesting happened. So when I signed with this big agency, they wanted me to change all my social medias. They're like, you need to drop the Lily Lux. You need to drop all the sexy lingerie stuff. And here's like all our rules for how you have to be. And so I tried so hard <laughs> to, to follow all of them and to like rebrand into what they wanted me to be. But I think that kind of like was just a total diversion from my brand and from myself because it wasn't something that I was like really into or like a hundred percent behind. So I got to the point where I was like, yeah, I'm breaking even cause I'm having to spend my own money to get my butt to Memphis. <laughs> and um, then the agency took like a whole bunch of fees. So I was like, I just want to go back to being Lily. Like I just miss having my, my freedom to post whatever I want and to wear whatever I want. So it, it, it was good in the fact that it like uh, reminded me who I am and who I want to be again. And for people who are, because I'm just imagining right now that there may be some people who are listening to that, because I know that there's a lot of people who, when they want to become models, they do become entrepreneurially minded and they, and they go out there and they start to consume all of this kind of business information. If somebody was in this position right now and they had the choice to either go down the traditional route of working, say, with an agency or to just go and try and figure it out on their own in say the Instagram routes and doing it that way. Like what, what advice would you give? Like which way would you go or would you advise people to go? Hmm. Well, I'd say there's a whole lot more flexibility being self-made as a influencer because the agencies have very like narrow standards for what they're able to sell to their clients in terms of like looks and body sizes. Like you need to be a certain height and you need to have certain measurements, certain proportions. And so for people like Tess Holiday, she's like another famous plus size influencer. She's only five foot three and she has over a million followers now too. And if she eventually got signed with an agency, but in no world would that ever have happened if she just went to the, the agencies directly and was like, Hey, I'm five foot three and I'm 250 pounds or whatever she is. Like it wouldn't have worked. So for her building her own path was the best route and for me building my own path was the best route too yeah was there any was there any things that you that you were super glad that you did in building your own personal brands that that you kind of look back on you're like wow i'm i'm so glad i did that because if i didn't maybe i wouldn't be where i am today yeah i think the thing that i'm most proud of is that i always believe in like leaving some mystery so i've never done topless and i've never done nudes and i've always just kept it in this borderline sexy area of not showing everything and I think that's been a really good brand decision for me. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's interesting, right? Because it differentiates you. And um, there's a lot of people who do just go like the whole way. And it's almost mm -hmm. like a, a unique aspect to you and your brand as well, right? Which is super interesting. And um, yeah. Yeah, go on. I was just thinking like, I mean, I was raised super religious, super Christian. So I'm sure that kind of has an effect on it too. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> not, like, I'm not oh, religious okay. anymore, but... It's just like, oh, just keep a little bit of mystery. Like, <laughs> always ingrained in me. 
so I'm, I'm very interested about what your kind of everyday looks like as well, because I know that you've said before, like you, I've seen on some of the posts that you put out there, you're like, well, I got some funny looks today because I was setting up my tripod and some guy was like looking as I kept walking out this door a couple mm -hmm. of times. What's that? What's it like every day for like your work schedule? Is it pretty free? And do you just do kind of whatever you want? Or do you have to be really regimed with how you set stuff up? It's very flexible, which is what I always wanted. So I'm very grateful that I have complete control over how I run my days. Um, I have like a basic morning routine that I do. And then from there, it's like anything goes. Like today is a maintenance day. So today I was like doing my nails, going to get my hair done, doing these interviews with you. And then maybe tomorrow I'll just go to my Spanish class in the morning and then I go to my co-working space, work for a couple hours, and then I shoot some photos at home. And then some days it'll be like the whole day is just like bulk photo shoots of doing like five different outfits in one day. So then I have content to post later. But yeah, it really depends. It sounds pretty nice in terms of that you built your schedule kind of around everything that you want to do now. And, um, mm -hmm. and I know now you're more settled in Spain. Like, did you do a lot of travel when you originally got started in doing this? Was there a desire to do that? Yeah, my first overseas move was to New Zealand. So even while I was there, I still had to get a corporate job um, just because my modeling wasn't at like the strong enough monetization point yet. So I was still working in an office there for a little bit. And... Yeah, then I lasted nine months there, and then I moved to Thailand. And I tried really hard to make Thailand be my new home, but it was only meant to be for six months. And then after that, started traveling around Europe a bit. So I, I guess I'm a little bit more of like a slow mad, like a slow traveler. I don't really like going to a new place every single month, because for me, that's just too much time wasted on logistics. Right? For logistics, it's just like a waste of time. Like. Yeah, hopping around. Yeah. Like I, I have one friend I know, and they literally are only in a place for two days, and I couldn't think of anything worse because like they're literally just Oof. living out of airports the whole time, and like everybody yeah. thinks that's maybe glamorous, but for me, I'm like, no, that would be my worst nightmare of trying to go through. You can't get anything done. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I'm with you completely. So one thing, one thing I want to touch on Lily is that throughout this kind of whole process, um, it sounds like when you, when you, when you lay it out in terms of the story, it sounds like a very kind of linear upwards progress, right? But most of the time when I speak to entrepreneurs, what we find out when we talk to them is that it hasn't always been, um, you know, roses and daisies and there's been challenges and things that they've kind of faced as you kind of created your movement online. Cause obviously you have a lot of people that are following your brand now. Was there any big challenges that you faced when you first started to grow that following online? Oh yeah, there's plenty. Um, I think the most personally irritating is just uh, catfishes and scammers. So there's a lot of people that would make duplicate profiles using all my photos and then I would get these messages from my followers. They're like, hey, like we've been chatting for six months and I bought you this gift and I sent you that money. Like, when are we gonna meet? And I'm like, well, you haven't been talking to me, so. Oh my God. That's yeah, crazy. so it's kind of like constant whack-a-mole trying to get rid of these guys. That's nuts. And it's actually guys that are impersonating you, did you say, like a lot of the time or? Yeah, or it could be women, I don't know. Just... Yeah, yeah. That's frustrating. And in terms of, so in terms of where you want to go in the future, because um, 
it's been very interesting to watch as your as your brand grows and your Instagram um, continues to increase in followers. Like I, I remember looking what felt like yesterday and you're at a million and now you're at a million and a half, which is nuts. Like the growth mm -hmm. must be kind of coming in thick and fast now. What does the yeah. what does the future look for, look look like look like for you? Like, what are you trying to accomplish in the next couple of years for for you and your brand? That's a great question. I definitely have ambitions of like going even further. Like, I just auditioned for a TV show, so I'm waiting to hear back from that. And I love creating things, so getting this e course finished is a goal. And I have like some ideas for products that I want to sell. And yeah, just keep doing things on my own term and like making creative projects. Like that's the most I could ask for. Yeah, that definitely sounds fun. Can you tell us a little bit more about the e-course? Like who, who, are you, who are you serving with the course? Is it other influencers or, or is it just regular kind of women at home? Sure, yeah, it, it's regular girls probably from ages of like 18 to 45. So it's fairly broad and um, I have a beta tester group right now full of women and some of them are already modeling like they're already they've created their personas and they're out in the public eye but they're just kind of stuck with how to grow and how to monetize and then some of them are just like normal women who are like yeah I don't want to like work my nine to five anymore like what other options are out there like I'm curious so yeah I, I'm excited to just kind of like share all my knowledge because I realize it's like you can't just keep reading and reading and absorbing knowledge endlessly without sharing it without giving back so i think now like especially i'm turning 30 this year so it's like the 30s seems like a good time for like education and giving back and sharing <laughs> that sounds fun i also i also heard as well and one thing that i try and implement a lot is that when you teach people things that you learn it like reinforces it in your brain like it's a super good way that you can keep a hold of that information a lot easier as well which is nice so what's yes. the end goal of, you know, of the people that go through your program? Like what's the result that they get at the end of it? Is the aim to get them like running their own kind of like modeling based Instagrams or is it a little bit different? Yeah, absolutely. I just, I'm a huge psychology nerd. So I really like empowering people with like psychological principles for how they can succeed on social media because I see so many people that have so much potential, but they're just doing a few things like really wrong. <laughs> So my goal and my hope for people is that I can help other women have financial freedom and, you know, be able to work as many or as few hours as they want so they can have more flexibility to spend time with their kids or their boyfriend or to work on their passion projects. So that's the end goal for me is to yeah, help other people have the same life that I have. Yeah, I love that psychological stuff because we do this all the time in the marketing world. We're looking at, you know, and, and a bunch of people that listen to this, they're like, oh my God, we're talking about hooks again. Like we, we talk all the time about like attention grabbing hooks, like stories that you tell in terms of inside of your pictures. Like, is there, and this is an interesting question, is there any, is there any mistakes that you see a lot of people making that are like super prominent um, that, you, that you see happening time and time again? Yes, there's one and I have to catch myself on it too, but it's the, the look at me aspect of being on social media. It's when somebody's trying to get like people interested in them. Like, how do I get my more followers? How do I get more people to look at me rather than like paying attention to the followers that they already have and giving that like one-on-one -on -one personalized attention. Like when I was growing my Facebook page, I personally responded to every message, every comment at the beginning so that people knew that I cared about them and that I was real. And um, 
so yeah, I think there's just like so much of like, how do I get people to look at me? Like what, <laughs> instead of showing like how you can care about somebody, how you can give first, that's so important. Yeah, I, I really agree with that as well, because I, I can't remember, but I, I think there's a principle online that's called the thousand true fans. And if you can, and if you can get mm -hmm. a thousand true fans, then you'll be able to dominate in whatever market you want to go into. But that's so important yeah. because I do see a lot of people, you're right, that want to actively get the new people. But once they've kind of collected you as a follower, they're almost not interested, yeah. right? But without realizing that engaging and looking after your tribe of people is probably one of the most important things you do. Is it difficult once yeah. you start to get a really big follower? to give that same kind of care and attention like how do you make sure that you're still giving people that kind of personalized touch but when you when you don't physically have time to message everybody yeah that's been a challenge like I do have an assistant now that helps me maintain at least my Facebook page but that's why I really shifted over to patreon which is like more of a smaller gated community which is good for multiple reasons because it allows me to have like a more like intimate connection with the people that are there and also a way to support myself too financially. So that's been kind of where I've like shifted more of my attention. Like I still respond to like a lot of comments and do a lot of interaction on my public social medias for free. But yeah, it's, sometimes it's overwhelming. It's just like, Oh, I'm sorry. I can't message you back. I get 200 DMS a day. <laughs> like there's just no way. Yeah, it's interesting because the the Patreon model, I actually speak to a lot of people um, in the podcasting world and a lot of them use Patreon as a way, almost like a membership site. So people who are in the, in the kind of online digital space, we talk all the time about membership sites and I, you know, almost everybody I speak to who's a course creator will have a free group and then they will send you to a paid for group and then maybe it's another group. Yeah. After that. And really you're just doing the same thing, but with Patreon. And one thing, one thing I really like, and, and maybe you can share, because I've not been on the inside of Patreon. Is it, is it quite easy to customize and to build out different kind of offers and, and packages for people that come in? I think it's pretty overwhelming at first. And this is actually one of the services that I offer to women is to give them guidance for building their Patreon because you need to create like multiple tiers, like multiple levels that people can pledge to. And then you have to decide your prices and then you have to decide what kind of content you're gonna put on there. So a lot of that's pretty like um, mentally intensive to, to think about like all these specific things that you can offer people. How much am I worth? You know, it's a lot of, I think it's overwhelming for a lot of people. I, they've tried to make it a bit easier now, but I still think it requires a lot of like reflective thinking. Is there any best practices you can share for somebody who's interested in, in kind of using Patreon as a platform, like some simple steps to follow just to kind of help them through that overwhelm? Oh, that's a great question. Um, whenever I get stuck, and this is something I always advise my clients to, is just look at what other people are doing in your industry. Like the top, there's websites that you can search, like I think it's Graftrion is the website, where you can look at the top earning Patreon creators, and then you find out who's in your niche, and take a look at their Patreon, and see what they're writing for their copy, what kind of images they're including, if they have like a video, and if so, what kind of content are they putting in their intro video. So I think that's really useful just to, that's, you know, piggyback really off of what's working. Yeah, because because that's something, that's a principle we use all the time in the funnel world. We'll go in and we call yeah. it funnel hacking. We like, we'll go and look yeah. at a successful funnel and we'll see like, all right, well, what are they doing? And we'll go through their pages. But I know a lot of people who sell through Patreon and I didn't even realize that you could go and check out what they're doing. And there was a website. So, so what did you say that website was called again? Sorry. And, and this is where you can go see like the top performing people in your industry, right? On Patreon. Yeah, I believe it's called Graph 
Treon, but let me double check. Yeah, that sounds great because there's going to be, and what's interesting about this is that, you know, for the context of our conversation, we're talking about, you know, plus size modeling and other people in your space. But I imagine that you'd mm -hmm. be able to go in there and look at your own industry. And that's probably another great place people can go to look at, you know, what memberships people are running, what they're giving away as content. Because I'm seeing it more and more nowadays. You've got people in the gaming space that are doing it. You've got people in the social media space, podcasting, you know, online courses. A lot of people are getting into this kind of content continuity offers where you're paying a certain amount every month and it's great for mm -hmm. us right as entrepreneurs because we're able to get that steady stream of income rather than just yes. I mean was was it challenging before that came along Lily for like for trying to like make ends meet with the Pinterest uh, with the Instagram stuff because I imagine like deals that you do for selling products is is like do they come every now and again or, or are they kind of pretty consistent yeah, they they come every now and again, and they pretty much always try to lowball you. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, like a lot of companies want to send you products for free, and they think that's enough, but it's like, yeah. So I don't really like depending on that as my primary source of income. Like, it's a nice addition, but yeah, it's not very consistent. So Patreon mm -hmm. changed the game with making it more, like, reliable. And do you ever, do you ever consider, um, like I know in our space, we all the time do, do JV deals, which is like joint ventures where like, I, like right now we're doing a, a podcast program where we help people launch their own podcast and monetize it. But I'm partnering up with a bunch of entrepreneurs who've got like big email lists and they'll, you know, they'll mm. email my offer out and then, and then I'll deliver the product and then we'll do like a 50, 50 split. Have you ever done anything like that with your network or, or does anybody in the sort of modeling space do that, do you know? Um, I don't really think so because I don't really see any other models creating info products really. And I think it's a shame because there's a huge opportunity there. I mean, the main things the models sell are like prints and calendars and like kind of small potato things like that. But yeah, there's, I don't see a lot of, um, joint ventures happening like that. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if I wonder if the especially as you move more into that realm of like helping women and especially with the info products, I wonder if there's potential there for you to work alongside other because there's a bunch of, you know, you could see like there's a bunch of course creators who help women. And I'm thinking at the top of my head, there's like bloggers and, you know, people in the, you know, the Rachel Hollis worlds and, and, um, and other people like that. And there's definitely kind of potential to cross over there now um tell me a little bit more about what you want to be moving towards because i love this um this idea that you're going to be helping women more and you want to give them this kind of way to kind of become financially free and to kind of follow in your footsteps a lot of the time what's the what's the big um what's the biggest kind of takeaway that you want to try and do with this year in terms of like helping people the most do you think hmm well, just getting my course finished up will be a huge accomplishment because I've been working on it for two years. So it's really been a lot of like synthesizing and compiling like all the knowledge and all the experience that I've learned. And now I'm testing it out with my group to be like, okay, well, what's going to be most valuable and useful for people to know? Because I know a lot, but how do I <laughs> condense it down into a nice digestible package for people? So that's kind of been the big challenge. Wow. Have you, have you set a launch date for when you're going to go live with that and sell it? No, <laughs> I need to though. I probably need that extra fire. Yeah. I wonder if I can challenge you. Uh, so this, so this podcast interview, this won't go out for about two and a half months with the schedule of what we've got. I wonder if you could get to the point. Do you think, do you think two and a half months is long enough for you to launch? Do you think, or do you think that's like not enough time? 
I think that would be a good challenge. I have about 20 lessons that I need to film and I've only done two. So <laughs> yeah, having some accountability would be good. Yeah, maybe that'd be fun. I mean, we, and just to, just to share, like we just launched our own program um, five weeks ago and we actually didn't film any of it. We launched it and I hadn't built any of the course and we sold it all and then built it live with the team that goes out there. So it's definitely possible to launch nice. even if you're only halfway there. Like we literally have just been doing it all the way along and it's been some late nights because I'm like, oh, scary. Gosh, we're going to get the video up and we're going to get it, you know, and it's <laughs> like that. But I think they that's how it gets done. Right. Yeah. Like it gets it done in the end. So I'm super excited to see what's going on with that and do you have a name for what it's going to be yet or is it still kind of up in the air yeah i do have a name but i think i'm going to change it right now it's siren secrets but i think it's going to be digital seductress oh wow it's going to be I, the new I like digital seductress i think that's really cool and, and what we'll do guys yeah. if any of you guys are listening to this right now and you're a woman and you're feeling like wow like i really um i'm vibing with what lily's saying and i want to figure out how to do this myself what we'll do is down in the show notes we're going to actually update and send the link and hopefully fingers crossed it'll be launched by them. But if not, then we'll probably have a waiting <laughs> list or something you guys can go to. So we can put it on there. Uh, but Lily, is there anything that we haven't talked about on this episode so far today that you wanted to kind of share with the audience? Um, hmm. It's always a tricky I question. Think, I mean, as an intern, yeah. my job is to try and make sure you don't have these kind of <laughs> extra things. To yeah. Ask. Um, well, I mean, one of my other, I could talk about some of my weird other money making <laughs> yeah, things please. that I do. Please share. So, um, Wait, one of the we? business, uh, it's not too weird. It's, it's, okay. you know, not controversial, but, um, I'm proud of myself for coming up with this idea. So I started selling things on fiverr.com and I was like, okay, maybe I can just make some quick little guides, some like short PDFs. Like I don't have to write a whole book. So what I did is I looked through all the messages that I had gotten on OkCupid and Tinder, like dating sites. And I was like, okay, which of these were the best? Like which of these caught my attention? Which of these led to a date? And so I compiled all of them together and I made... Oh <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, a little, little black book cheat sheet for, for guys, right? Yeah. So it's basically like a Tinder opener arsenal of messages. So that's what I sell on Fiverr. And I've had it on there for like maybe five years. And I just keep repackaging it with every new dating site that comes. So right now it's Tinder before it was like, okay, Cupid. And then plenty of fish messages and stuff like that. Wow. So that that's, I mean, like passive income all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not as much now. It's kind of tapered off. I should probably revamp it. But yeah, it's been like a nice chunk of change from that. So I'm personally proud of that one. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's so creative. And I guess that's what's nice about you having this freedom now to do the stuff that you want to. Like you can literally say, oh, I want to go and create this and let your creative juices flow and just figure out exactly what it is that you want to do and then just do it. Yes. I think that's super cool. I think that's the ultimate beauty of having like... Um, being self-employed and having your own schedule is that you can do projects without panic, without having to worry about the money. You can just play. And I think a lot of money and like success comes from play. 
Oh, I agree. And I think it's interesting as well because like I, I get so much enjoyment now out of literally just speaking to these amazing entrepreneurs and like, it's my job and like, and, and like it leads to deals and things like that, which is super fun. But like, ultimately I'm just enjoying what I'm doing and the creative mm-hmm. aspect of that is super fulfilling. And, I, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm really, I'm really quite impressed by everything you've done because it's nice to see you, you know, putting yourself out there and, and going and being this kind of creative leader and inspiring other women to do the same kind of thing. So I'm, I'm super impressed. Aww. So if anybody wants to, to follow along and kind of see the journey that you've been um, sharing and, and also ultimately to, cause I'm sure you're going to announce it on your Instagram, right? When you release this course. Yes, for sure. So if somebody, so if somebody wants to follow along and, and find out more about you, Lily, where's the, where's the best place for them to go to? They can go to my website, liliesadventures.com. And my Instagram is where I'm most active. So that's at lilylux, L-I-L-L-I-L-U-X-E. That's amazing. Well, thanks so much for coming on the interview. It's been super interesting to hear more about your journey and more about your story. I'm, I'm going to put some pressure on you to make sure that you launch that course in two months time. <laughs> Good. Make sure you get it out there because I see so many people spin their wheels with courses and sometimes just having someone to say, just get the damn thing out already makes all the difference. So I'm super excited. Yes. I can't wait to see this new direction you're going in with helping more women as well. I think that's super awesome. Thank you so much Aww. for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you, Jamie. No problem. And for everybody else listening at home, I hope you enjoyed this interview and make sure you go and follow along with everything that Lily's doing and I'll drop the link down in the show notes once more. Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.